no announcements today? Announcements. Hey, I don't have an announcement sheet. Anybody got one? Anybody got one here, Junior? I need a map. Yeah, I'm just, I need a map to know where I am. Sorry, I just literally flew in this uh, this morning from the west at uh, 5.30 in the morning. So I'm here. So uh, if you want to know where that is, it's from here to here. Okay, all right. All right. So, hey, welcome, everybody. We're glad that you're here today. Um, we're going to worship the Lord, and we're excited about that. Um, for our visitors, just to let you know, we have a couple really cool things that um, uh, that that happen. If you have young children... Um, we have our Sunday school that'll be coming up after our worship time. We also have our nursery, but um, in addition to that, we want to. Uh, we all we we've had a baby boom in this church. Unfortunately, none of them are my house, um, but uh, we're glad that they are in God's house. And um, we always wanted to make that comfortable. We also have a what we call a uh, a mom's room, our parents' room, where we know that there's uh, that some are nursing and some things for kids. You need to sit in there. We also have the worship in there as well, but we want you to feel comfortable and that this is your, this, uh, we want God's house to be your house, all right? So we have that over on this side as well, um, and sometimes we just forget to announce that for, uh, for newer people. Um, Parish Foundation, um, we will uh, be serving uh, fried chicken today, and so if you uh, want to contribute to that, you can. Youth group will meet today um, and go to the Cecil County Animal Services. Uh, prayer ministry, we're still updating that as well. And also a reminder about the blanket uh, bags of care for the homeless. Um, again, you have a list, and they are collecting those. You can see that we're placing many of them here. Thank you so much for the ones that, you've, that have already been gathered, and we're excited for continually um, going ahead. And what was the number on that that we were going to? 40. So we'd love to shatter that. That would be awesome. Okay? Um, so, again, if you're visiting, just relax. We want you to enjoy uh, this experience with the Lord. We realize this is July, and like uh, me and many others, we have travels. So you're going to have to sing extra loud to the Lord today, all right? All right, let's just stand and praise the Lord. Lord, our 
great the debt we owe Our hearts that wander still In mercy's grip you hold And we were made by you And for your glory, God And in your cross we make our boast the joy, the glory of your light. Your resurrection brought our broken hearts to life. Oh, we've seen your grace, your love, your mercy breaking through. And you're making us brand new.
King above all kings. This is amazing grace.
Oh God, we just praise you and thank you that throughout this Galatian series, we've been learning more about your grace and that it is amazing. It's amazing grace. And so God, as your people have gathered here today, um, along with those uh, around the world and church online and other different places, God, we come together and we just thank you for who you are. So God, now as we move to this period of communion at this moment, may we just continue to worship and center and focus on you. For this and all things, God, we give you praise in Christ's name. Everybody said, amen. You may be seated right where you are. The, the process of communion, it's one of those things that we as, um, as Christians have kind of just looked at, oh, it's that time of the month where we go ahead and have bread and grape juice or wine, depending on what background you're from. Um, but one of the things we recognize is Jesus said, do this as often you can in remembrance of me. And so the cool thing about communion is we remember what Christ has done for us, but we also experience what he is currently doing for us, and then we look again to the future when he's going to come again. And so as part of, of communion today, we want to recognize the, that when Jesus gave himself up for us, that he gave thanks to his father and said, this is, thank you, Lord God, sovereign Lord God, for giving us grain from the field that we may have bread to eat. He took it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples, said, wait a second, this is my body which is broken and given for you. Do this as often as you can in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. He began to pass it around to his disciples. He said, take and drink from this, all of you. After he had once again given thanks to God, take and drink from this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so as we look at what Christ has done for us and what he is doing for us and what he is going to do by coming uh, again, we just need to stop and think. As I've been looking at this, thinking about this Galatians series, so much we focus on what we need to do for God or what God needs to do for us. But it's not about doing things. He's already done everything. It's about undeserved favor and love that we have through the Father. And that by... It's not what we have to do. It's about what we get to do when we have a relationship. It's about relationship, not rules. And so in communion, it's about relationship. You know, we always say, I've always said, hey, we have some rules to communion. We don't have rules to communion. We have relationship to communion. Communion is, do you love God? And you'll know that by the relationship that you have with him. Do you have that stuff in your life that misses the mark of what Christ intended? That's, what we, that's that big word that the church calls sin. Okay? And we're going to talk a little bit about some of that today and, and where I believe that the church has actually been pretty bad on some of that um, in conveying the, uh, that to Christ, uh, what Christ thinks about that fully. Um, and then do we want to live at peace with those people that maybe we don't? This is another thing we're going to talk about today because I think we like to pick and choose um, often who we want to be at peace with. And so uh, in, the, in the happiness series... Um, many of us shared, and I know I shared myself, the person I have the least amount of peace with is myself. And so I need God to bring peace to myself. If anybody else is in that boat with me, say amen. There you go. Okay, good. It's a big boat. All right. So, but what we want to do is we want to go ahead, yes, the ordinary elements of bread and grape juice, but ultimately what we want to do is to go to Lord and, and say, Lord Jesus, 
through your presence meet us here and make these be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ, set apart by his blood. And we say that every time we do communion. We say, by your Holy Spirit, make us one in ministry together to all the world and one with each other. And so we are going to talk about that today. So it's very fitting that communion is today as we really begin to, to really take all that Galatians has given us. And we're going to, Paul's going to really uh, put it on the tee and tell us what we have to do with it now. Um, and so God, just do your thing right now and meet us in your presence here. What I'd ask you to do is to just look to yourself, where's my relationship with God? Because that's what it's about. Not like how many times you've attended and how many times. That's all legal stuff, right? That's all religion. Not, not, not if you've been part of the church since you were a kid. i got to tell you, I could, I, the older I get, the more I could care less about the religious stuff that we think is important. The more I think about it, the thing that I think is the greatest importance is the relationship that I have with Christ Jesus. And I think if Christians got over our, our doctrinal and our, our rule stuff, and got to the point of just loving Christ and loving each other, which he said, man, we would change the world like the early ones did. You agree with me? And so, so God, so I'm going to ask the servers and I'm going to ask the, um, the worship team to come up as we go ahead and we begin to uh, celebrate uh, this gift of communion. body of Christ broken and given for you. Our Lord's body broken and given for you. And the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Chain of the brokenness of our Lord Jesus Christ. The broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord's body is broken and given for you. Oh, I didn't see it. I got one. There you go. Didn't you see how you back there, buddy? Christ put out for you and for many for the goodness of the blood of Christ shed for you. The blood of Christ put out for you and for many for the goodness of sins. Again, we also uh, 
We also do have um, gluten-free for people who have those kind of allergies and stuff. We want to pay attention uh, to that. Um, again, whether you're visiting or what, just a reminder, we're going to come from the, the ushers will help. We're going to come from the back down this on this side this way, back down for this way, and the back down for that way, and then just re- return those areas. Um, one, you know, one of the things, I, I don't know why this just popped in my head. I don't have a clue why. But um, if somebody's just sitting at home right now, I, I don't have like magic powers just to let you know that makes this. It's all about God, right? So if you're home and you're not there, grab some Wonder Bread. God's going to bless it, all right? We're going to just go with it, okay? Because um, we want you to be part of it. I don't know how theologically sound it. I probably would have failed in seminary, but that's okay, all right? Because that goes back to religion and rules if we're about relationship with Christ, all right? Um, I have this shirt on, and it just reminded me that God so loved the world, right? And it's kind of a cool, nerdy shirt, too, isn't it, right? Um, but guess what? I'm, I'm kind of a nerdy, broken person. So I need the love of God to love me, right? So wherever you are, um, come to the table of the Lord and just connect with him. Yeah. 
People who have received the Lord's Supper and um, recognize God's gift for us. Aren't you glad? If you are, say amen. All right, good. Just mess with somebody this week, and when they say something, when it's supposed to be yes, go amen. All right, at this time, we're going to have our, um, our children head to our Shoreline Sunday School Ministry, and I'd like just for you to just say hello to those around you, and then we will continue the service with prayer. Um, just one thank uh, PTL, praise the Lord, is um, last Sunday evening, um, Melissa and I took our oldest daughter. We like to take our kids for a graduation gift, and she wanted to go see Antelope Canyon. So Melissa and I got an airplane and ended up there um, in Monday mo- on Monday morning, uh, which about 12 midnight, and drove, the plan was to drive four hours. We drove two, um, stayed there, but it was really cool. We got to see uh, Zion National Park. We got to see Antelope Canyon. Uh, I got to drive by the Grand Canyon in the pitch black dark. Not to let you know, it is not a very exciting thing um, when you look and you realize there's trees and there's a long way down, right? Um, but there we got down to Sedona and, went and, um, and then to uh, finished it off in Vegas. So, yeah, what happens there stays there, okay? But it's not because I'm going to share some stuff with you. And Vegas is right about here, okay? Um, and then we flew in last night. So I thank God for his traveling mercies that about 800 miles uh, we drove around Utah and Arizona and Nevada. Um, and so um, it was a really good time uh, that we could spend that one time with our, our children who have made that uh, transition in life 
from graduation day that a year ago, and we weren't able to do it. Um, and then as she is in college now, I'm planning on going away in, within the next year. So we're excited about that and how she's grown up. And she's cra probably crashed out somewhere because she drove all night, I'm sure. So, um, But no, we had a great time. So thank you. Um, thank God for prayers and traveling mercies there. So we want to lift others up in uh, prayer requests. Again, we still would like you, if you have not given at info at havencc.org, um, your uh, graduates, whether military, high school, college, we do still want to honor those individuals as well. Okay? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, we just thank you for everything that you've given to us, for your traveling mercies on, on um, my family personally, and also those who are uh, traveling um, in our midst today, uh, during the summer season. Um, and God, we just thank you for just uh, all that you do for us. Not just that you do for us, but that you've done for us and just the love you have for us. So God, as we continue in the celebration, which every time we come together is a celebration with you, we ask for your uh, Holy Spirit to just reveal new things. Um, and God, I always, one of the things I always love, I always love the fact that the Holy Spirit convicts but also loves. And so God, if there's something in me that needs to be removed, I ask that you come and remove it. So for this and all things, God, this rest of this time we dedicate to you. In your name we pray. Amen. From Galatians chapter 6, and the first reading is from verse, it's verse 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And the last one is verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have closed yourself with Christ. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. In the Galatians uh, series, um, it's six chapters. This is week six. So guess what? This is it. Um, so, but um, I hope you've enjoyed it uh, as, as something. Um, just something that just kind of, sometimes it's just really good to go ahead and get into uh, a Bible rather than just a topic and to go from there. Um, I do want Melinda to show you one thing, where we are going to go next. Um, it's going to be our next series um, that we're going to do. And um, it's going to be called Clean, Cleaning House. Cleaning house. So, um, how many feel like you have to do that? I do after being away for a week now. So um, uh, it looks like you have to clean house. So we're going to talk about cleaning our house. So um, so hopefully you'll be able to. If you're messy like me, good. Just keep on coming out. It'll be. It's going to be awesome because I think God wants to wants to do something in this. Okay. All right. So we're going to continue on today. Our week one was probably one of my favorite uh, foundational 
verses of Scripture where we started with the early part about Paul. Again, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle pretty much means he was a church planner, and, um, and he would plant churches and set people up in leadership. He was in uh, this area of Galatia and had set this church up, and, um, and in doing so, some other people, meaning well, good religious people, they had a background in Judaism, so they're good religious Jewish people who became converts to Christianity, decided to go and follow up and said, oh, you went ahead and you've become Christians. Great. That's awesome. Except for there's one thing you're missing. All you guys, you have to come become, go to the Jewish route first, which means for all you men, you have to go get circumcised. And many of them did that. Okay. I, I find humor in that myself, but I probably would not join the church if I was older and I had to go through that. You get it? All right. So um, we l- l- talked about uh, that is in modern-day Turkey, but the main thing that we talked about that was about circumcision stood for law, the old way of the law, and uh, he said, you're free in Christ from that. You're not bound to law. Nobody can keep that, but what was happening is people were going ahead and saying, okay, we have this freedom of Christ, but you have to obey these laws and things that we've done before. Paul says, no, you can't have it both ways, because if you Uh, obey one law and you break one law, you've messed it all up. That's why Christ came in the first place. So we talked about in that first week about how there, from the very beginning, it's been this choice between the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we talked about that. Week two, we really talked more about the crucified life, living in the crucified life and not being the spiritual Tarzan, going back and forth between the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, as many of us do. Uh, week three, we talked about God's grace and how, how it's amazing, and how God's grace is undeserved. You can't earn it. You can't do those things to have it. Week four was one of my other favorite weeks where we talked about the relationship between sonship or being a child of God, a son or daughter of God, that it's not a physical thing, but it is a spiritual thing that we have, and rather than being a slave. A slave to that. And so we were talking about, that was where we really hit the point, and Paul told us about it's not about rules and religion, it's about relationship with him. And then last week, um, we talked about a daily walk with the Holy Spirit, about the fruits of the Spirit, um, and practicing them, and having those today. So today, here we go, that's a mouthful, everybody go, <sighs> there we go. Today, we're going to close out this series with ch- chapter 6, from Galatians chapter 6. And what we're going to focus on now, everything Paul has been telling us from chapter 1 comes in the culmination here at chapter 6, and he's telling us what the responsibility is of being free in Christ, that there is a responsibility that comes with that. And this is a a neat verse to really begin this whole section with here that was already read for us so wonderfully by June, but he says this in Galatians chapter 14, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's giving us a picture and a promise from what this living in freedom looks like. And he says, um, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Going back to that crucified life. And so he's saying once again, this is about, it's not about his um, His life is not centered on rules, regulations, or religion. As a good Jewish person, which we know Paul was, that's why he persecuted the church, he was a very good Jewish person, followed rules and regulations, yet he still missed the mark 
of what God intended. And so what he's saying is my faith is not based on rules, but on relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the most important thing to him. And that should be the most important thing to us, that the promise in our process. And, and, you know, a lot of times, I don't know about you, we've been so good at getting people saved, you know, or sharing that, particularly in the 20th century. And even the 19th century were really high points of, of that. And that became so part of our vernacular that we started talking about getting somebody saved, which needs to happen and needs to, and, and we don't save anybody. God saves, Christ saves them. But in that process, we talked about salvation so much, we forgot to talk about living out our salvation in relationship with Christ. Okay? So we, we all have a journey. And for instance, you know, in my journey, there have been several times, I just jotted some stuff down um, as I was on the plane uh, here, that I remember my, the beginning of my journey with Christ started when I was five years old at Christ United Methodist Church in Federalsburg, Maryland, where I knelt at the altar and said the sinner's prayer and all, and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Um, it, then, you know, I, I started growing up, and I, and I remember as a kid really having this this incredible fascination and love for the scripture. And then, you know, I hit middle school age and teen years. And then during a Teen Youth Alive weekend with Kenny Davis, um, the Lord just really uh, made himself more real to me. And I recommitted my life to Christ. That's a language that we call it, right? Um, and just really kind of refocused. But then I was in school and I was a teenager and um, did not do... Uh, very godly things. And then I went to college where I really did ungodly things. Uh, anybody with me there? Okay, you, it's a big boat. Come join in, all right? So, um, we, but God so loves, what? The world. Um, there we go. So, uh, then I was in college, and I remember being so down and depressed and trying to work through things, and received a call to ministry. And then the post-college years, I started working, and I was going to go ahead and work, and this ministry thing was here. And then I got down, corporately downsized um, by a religious organization. Interesting. Um, and then I entered into ordained ministry and in the United Methodist Church. And early, I was trying to, I was trying to think. You know, it's been 23 years ago. And I was trying to think about how, how kind of crazy and and just um, off the wall I was. And you, get, you say, you're wearing a globe shirt. Um, you, what do you mean you were? Um, but, um, but like I was just thinking, like I was so, I was so just excited about serving God that I'd, I'd be willing to do absolutely anything. Um, and it was a little crazy for a while. And I remember some, some, some wise people told me, just slow down. Just take it easy. You don't have to do everything at once. Um, and so I remember that process. And then I remember some of the ups and downs in that process as I, be, uh, as I became, uh, as an, an old weathered pastor friend of mine said, don't worry, at times this will fade too. This joy that you have will fade. I said, you got to be kidding. No, we're serving God. And then I learned exactly what they were talking about. Um, and often when I started thinking about that, most of that had to do with two things. It had to do with relationships with people and religious dogma. Um, honestly, when I really began to look at and think about this, I, I began to think it really had to do with the rules and regulations and people who were in religious positions and others who needed religious positions to think that they were serving God. You, you understand what I'm saying here? So I'm going to get real today. Is that okay? Because I'm going to get real. Um, so just remember, God so loved the world, and so should you. Uh, all right. So... Um, 
Then I, then I started thinking about, you know, when I decided to, you know, God called me out of United Methodist Church and had a new venture in starting a church. And at that time, it was with a group of people who had approached me. Good people, nice people, but they told me lots of other things that never came true. Because why? They, I, they, they called them miscommunications. We'll call it that. We'll leave it there. Um, but I remember just the struggles in that point. And then just the st- struggles of doing ministry in what I'm going to call, which has been called, and what people were talking about for years, that it may eventually happen, postmodern Christianity. Meaning that we live in a world today, and we live in a country today, that we have a lot of uh, representation of God in it, but we are really have entered into a postmodern Christian area. One of the, one of the, I shared some statistics last week, but um, they've said if a majority of people went to churches, we would need 200,000 more churches and still would not be able to fit everybody in there. So we are in a more postmodern Christian age in our area. And I recognize that in each area that of my roller coasters in faith, anybody been on a roller coaster of faith? Okay, that in each of these areas, there were times where I felt really close to God, and there's times where I felt very distant to him. And often one of the consistent things that began to happen in those areas where I felt further away from him was that I began to try to do faith. Okay? I tried to do things. I tried to do more. I tried to have some more things in order to do faith rather than just in relationship to be in relationship and in faith and in ministry together with Christ. It reminded me of a story of a pastor who said I was teaching children one time and began to ask them some questions. He said, if I sold my house and my car and had a big garage sale and gave all my money to the church, would that get me to heaven? He asked the children. The children all screamed, no, no, no way. And he said, well, if I clean the church every day, I mowed the yard, I kept everything neat and tidy, would that get me into heaven? And all the children went, no. No way. He said, well, then what if I was kind to other people and and kind to animals and gave candy to all the children and loved my wife? Would that get me into heaven? And again, they all said, no. And he said, well, what can get me into heaven? And a five-year-old boy shouted, you got to be dead. (laughs) All right? True, right? True story. Okay, so we... Even young kids were sitting there wrestling with the deal. You got to do something. You got to do something. The pastor's trying to get across. You don't have to do anything to get into heaven, but they're right. You got to die to get there. All right. Let's look at, uh, let's look some more into this today. You know, these struggles that we were talking about, Paul picks right up. We want to pick up right where Paul was last week, that he talks about he had ups and downs. Remember that verse, the good I want to do, I don't do. But what I don't want to do, I keep on doing. He said, that's what I don't want to do is what I end up doing. You see, we all have lots of ups and downs. And it's really back again to this whole thing between the relationship that we have in Christ through grace. A lot of my relationship with God, as I recognized over my years, has been very unrelational. Sometimes it's just been kind of weird and awkward. That I'm... And sometimes I may be going through the motions. Yeah, I'm, I'm singing songs, but I'm not expressing songs. Like, for instance, have you ever, like, like anybody remember that song, Daddy's Little Girl? You're the end of the rainbow. 
my pot of gold. Right? Anybody heard that? And if you know by, who it's by, you're very, very old. Okay? Um, so, no, the Mills Brothers, right? Anybody heard them sing it? Okay, that's one of my favorite versions. And so I had heard that song for years and years and years. But, it, but when I hear that song now, I think of one person. I think of my daughter, Abigail. Because when she was a baby, I would sing it to her and, and, and to get her to sleep, okay? Um, and so I sang it a lot. Um, there's different songs. Uh, for Jacob, it was We Are Climbing Jacob's Ladder. Remember that? For Rachel, it's Brown Eyed Girl. I don't know why. It's not religious. Just go with it, all right? She's my brown eyed girl. So we each have different things. So when I hear those songs and I sing those songs, it reminds me of those individuals. And so there's an emotional connection that happens here. So when I sing songs about loving God, there should be an emotional connect, uh, connection that I have there, not just singing things for the sake of doing that. And, but I realized that some points in my life, I was go, I've been going through motions, and I've been just in this weird, awkward place in my own journey with Christ. Anybody with me in this boat? Okay? So when we have this, I begin, I begin to look more about this, and there's times when I've tried to do a ministry and it became extremely weighty. Or there's times, taking ministry out of it, where I've tried to do my own, my faith with Christ, this journey walk with Christ, and I tried to do things, and it ended up too weighty, and I ended up in this weird place. But there's times when I begin to look that I get to be part of the greatest team ever existed. It's called the Great Commission. That he's with me. It's time when I get to realize that I'm part of the greatest family that ever could be. It's the family of God. And so, what I, what I realize is the experience of freedom that Paul wants us to recognize here is simply this. Melinda, can you put this up here? The experience of freedom is I don't have to, I get to. Now, many of us grew up in a, a church or a background that you have to do this because you got to do it. Right? you got to do this. You have to say this. You have to act that way. You have to wear this. You have to do it because you better do it. Correct? Anybody? And that made you. How many like to do what you're told to do? Anyone? I'm 48 years old. I still don't like people telling me. Like, I, at times when people demand stuff from me, you will see jacks slow down. I get a little bit slower. And when they need it all the more, I get a lot more slower, depending upon the attitude that they have. Am I with anybody here? And so as we're there, I, I realize I don't like people telling me what to do or telling me I have to do something. I've had people, and just to let you know, in ministry, people have lots of ideas of what you need to do. You, you know what you need to do? You need to do this. And my immediate reaction is, why don't you do it? You know, I, I remember one time early in the church, I had somebody call me and say, hey, we heard that this group, this church is going to stop doing this fall festival celebration. They're not going to do it anymore, and there's lots of people that come out for it. It's a great opportunity. Oh, but I don't want to do it. And I said, oh, it ain't getting done, because I don't want to do it either. Anybody ever, ever, ever done anything in the church because they needed a warm body to do it? How many hated every second of it? Exactly. There are things that when you aren't gifted to do and that God hasn't called you to do, you will hate. You will despise those things. And so the freedom is I get to, not that I have to. And if you're in a have to place, time to do a check and find out where you are. 
So one of the things that we find out with freedom is that when we get, we, we don't have to, but we get to. And Paul has led us here to this point. There's a great discussion about some of this that I found, I found some things. You know, like, I don't have to read my Bible, but I get to read my Bible. Now, some of you may have grown up in an environment where you better read it. You better, and there's that part of you who's like, nope, I'm not going to do it because I was told I have to. But when you get to the point of that, I get to read my Bible. Or you, not from you have to serve to you get to serve doing that. Or what about this? Uh, from you have to go to church to I get to go to church. Or you have to give to others to I get to give to others. Once we have a change, probably one of the greatest things for me when I, when I heard that one pastor early in the church that started talking about serving, talked about leaving a 2000, like a 2,300 member church in Austin, Texas to go to wherever God was calling him. He had no clue. And what he started doing was taking a grill out on the streets, feeding the homeless in Austin. And before he knew it, people started joining him. And before you know it, he had people from all walks of life joining him and serving. And it was something that he got to do, not that he had to do. And before you know it, that fostered a new church where they shut down church. Anytime there's five Sundays, they shut down the church for worship and everybody goes out and serves and cooks food for the homeless. Isn't that cool? That's cool. That's called, I get to do that. And they're excited about doing those things. So Paul has led us here, and where he's led us, I want to go back a little bit to Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. And it says here, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. And you can go back and read about what some of those things are. He gave a list. Rather, serve one another in, let's try it again, serve one another in Love, in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Here it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. And here's the interesting thing that we have here. Rather, we not, it's not serve because you got to, but it's serve in love. Because love is about relationship. Love is about getting, Paul's saying this whole Christ thing is not about circumcision, it's not about laws, it's not about religion. What it's about is about a heart issue. It's about your heart. It's about having a relationship with God. It's not about talking about serving. Because when we talk about serving, you'll talk yourself out of serving. Time and time again, because that's religion. When it's in our hearts and we get to serve, it's relational. It's relational. I've shared with many of you that when the, this church was originally going ahead and deciding to go to Haiti, you're looking at the number one person who did not want to go. Right here. I did not want to go. You know why? Because I had lots of stuff to do. I'm, I'm a busy person. And if you don't believe me, I'll tell you. Okay? I, I like to stay busy. And I want to be busy. And I did not want to be bothered by going to another country when there's enough stuff here. All right? And when I got to Haiti, I didn't want to be there. It was hot, hotter than hell. I think hell is next door to Haiti. And it was stinky. It was, the internet was horrible. I was glad we had a pool in the hotel. But when I met the people, God changed my heart. 
because the ministry there got into my heart. And if you don't like mission, it's not about whether you don't like mission or serving. It's that you got something wrong in your heart. It's a heart issue. It's never anything else. Because people are people. Because God so loved the world. And that's part of the world. And so now, since we had to postpone our trip, Wes and I were just talking. It's supposed to be two weeks. I didn't know whether I really wanted to go this year. And now that it's two weeks away and we should be there, my heart's breaking that I'm not going to be with them. And believe me, I know it was hot here too. But I would rather be serving with my brothers and sisters there and just sharing the love that they gave to me. Everybody who's gone in mission says, what you get is far more than what you give. No matter what missionary you are in. Because it's a heart issue. And so what does he say here? He says, it's summed up in love your neighbor as yourself. In Galatians 6.2, it says, share with each other's burdens. Bear with each other's burdens. We live in a time where we let people, oh, they're dealing with that. No, bear with each other. And he says, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. What the heck is the law of Christ? You said that we have freedom. Yes, let's go with me now to John chapter 13, verse 34. A new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. You see, John, Jesus, Paul understood that it wasn't that they didn't understand this love thing. It was a motivational issue. There was a motivation that needed to be done. You see, you love because of the love you have received from Christ. You, you love the unlovable in this world because there's a lot of people that are unlovable because Christ first loved you. And so what we see, the big point today is this. We serve one another out of obedience because we have been loved. When we experience God's love, we want to get it to others. It's kind of like when we experience something really great you don't have to compel me to tell anybody else like if you've ever eaten really good food I'm talking about really good food Melissa and I had the opportunity not this year but last year for our anniversary to eat at this restaurant called Zahava in Philadelphia anybody eating there all right it's absolutely amazing it's an Israeli restaurant and we had like some three-course meal and it was the most incredible experience I think I've ever had. And just to let you know, a year later, they, be, they were named the number one restaurant in all the country. So now you're going to sign up today. You have to put in like a month or so, but I guess it's because my last name's Cohen. I called the day before, and they fit me in. Oh, that's all I'm saying. All right. So God likes some people, I guess. Um, but anyway, we ate there, and they brought out a menu and had your name on it, happy anniversary and all this stuff, and we ate some of the greatest food. You know, it's like one of those restaurants where they bring out, like, a bowl of hummus, and, like, for me, like, I like my hummus, my bread, my hummus with some bread. You know what I mean? That's kind of like, and it's, like, smeared around the bowl, but you just taste a little bit, and you're like, hallelujah, right? You know, it's like the greatest food ever, ever. And so I tell everybody, oh my God, do you have a place to go eat? Zahab, if you really want a nice, but you know, right there. You ever eaten someplace bad? You ever told somebody about that experience? 
Yeah, when you have something either really good or really bad, you don't have, people don't have to ask you. You tell them. You say, my gosh, last night we ate here. Oh, if you saw, how many, but you saw a movie. As you guys go, oh my gosh, you have to see this movie. Anybody ever told you that? You have to do this. Oh, oh, you're, like when we told people wherever we were going, like for instance, I'm getting on the plane and this guy's there and last week and he's like, so you're going to Antelope Canyon? Awesome. Hey, you got to go to Zion National Park. I'm like, why? Oh, you got to go. And that wasn't on my itinerary. You got to go. You know what I tell people now? Oh my gosh, you got to go. And this is what social media is about. We put it there to show people, look, this is cool. You got to see it. And you start seeing it. That looks cool. I think I want to see that. That's what we do. We share. So since we have received the greatest love ever, why are we not sharing it with the world in the greatest way? In the greatest way that we can. You see, viral videos are the same way. You send them out to everyone. Uh, while, while I was away this week, somebody sent me one that it's a, it's a baseball guy sitting there. And he's getting ready to hit, and he swings, and the ball comes back at the camera, and everybody jumps. It's awesome. I jumped. So you know what I did? I sent it to like 20 other people so that they would jump as well, and they write me back. Oh, my gosh, I jumped. And you know what they did with it? Sent it to like 20, 30 other people. So everybody's jumping. Why? Because it's fun. I love to freak people out, right? And people sent it to me because they like that too. If you didn't get it, I'm going to send it to you. All right? So... But that's what we like to do. Viral videos are all about that. I've, I've seen viral videos where people fall. Anybody ever seen these things? And it's funny. This is, I'm confessing here. I find some of those things very funny. All right? And I love to see the thing. Memes. Anybody know what a meme is? We never had this in our language until recently, right? Memes. But you send something and then people laugh about it. And we have this thing. Or what about a company? A company, it's not about really what they're selling. It's about their customer service. Am I right? Like, for instance, remember that guy, Billy Mays, the OxyClean guy? I didn't know that I needed, I didn't know what Oxy, I, I washed my clothes, we washed our clothes for years without OxyClean, but all of a sudden, I got some guy screaming at me that I need this stuff, so I got to get it, and I'm putting it in with everything. Who else uses OxyClean? Yeah, because Billy Mays screamed at you, <laughs> right? He told you about this great thing. You see, when we're passionate about something, when we're really passionate we can share. You ever know anybody who's done CrossFit? If, if you know somebody who's done CrossFit, they told you in the first five minutes of telling you, hey, I do CrossFit, you know, and then if they try to get you in that, that stuff will kill you <laughs> or make you healthy, one or the other. But, um, but you know, um, they're, they're passionate about it, and I'm a competitive person. So, like, sometimes at the college, they'll have these, like, these, like, kind of, uh, what are they, like, competitions and age, and when I'm into something, one of the things a couple years ago, we were on vacation, and we found out our family's very competitive. Like, one time, we were, we were on this, like, pirate boat, and we were eating dinner, and Hannah was playing, it's in Mexico, and Hannah was playing, uh, um, she was real little, and she's playing musical chairs, okay? It's her and this other girl, this other girl from Mexico. They're going around, and they're playing, and I actually have the video to prove it. As they stop the music, Hannah runs in, stiff arms the girl, sits down, and goes, woo! And I looked at Melissa and I said, yeah, we're a little competitive, aren't we? You know, like, and she got a t-shirt and then she and the girl were best friends all night. You see, so, so like, I have this competitive nature in me when I do something. And I remember one time they had this contest and I, and they had these burpees. Anybody know what they are? 
burpees are of the devil, just to let you know. And so I, you had to do these for like three minutes. I was dying. And the next couple of days, I felt like I wanted to die. You know what I mean? Because I'm so sore. You see, Paul says we need motivation. We need a motivation here. And that's why he says, look at 6.10 in this section of scripture, Galatians 6.10. Therefore, we have a what? An opportunity. Let us do good to how many people? All people, especially those who belong in the family of believers. Isn't that cool that he says you have to be good to those outside? And you say, well, Jack, why do we have to be good to those inside? Because we're just not. We're just not if we're really serious. We're not good to those outside. We're not good to all people inside. And this is not the law of Christ. It's the old law. It goes back to the heart and motivation. So how do I go ahead and, and get to this point? How do I go ahead and feel this out in my life? Well, let's look at this. Number one, I need to, how, how, can I, how can I reach out to people and do this? I need to pinpoint my sphere of influence. What is my sphere of influence? The people that God has placed in your life. The people around you that God has put there, he has given you responsibility for, to love in your life. Now, I think this is kind of cool in a way because God has not called you to do everything. He's placed limits on your sphere of influence. And you should say, thank you, God. Look at what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the what? Area of influence that God has assigned us to reach even to you. What he's saying there is God is giving each person an, an area that we can share his love with. You ever know that there's some people in your life that no matter how much you can't love them? I'm serious. There's some people. And don't give me that stuff. You don't have to like them. You have to love them. No. There are some people that you just can't love. Right? But then you'll have a good friend who says, oh, I love them to death. And you're like, what is wrong with you? Like you love the friend and the friend loves them, but you can't stand that person. They're always in your group. Anybody with me? Okay. So here's where the scripture tells you. That's okay. They ain't in your area of influence. They're in theirs. Okay. And that's, that, I don't know about you, but that's comforting to me. That's very comforting to me because there's just some people I don't mess with. There's some people who just irritate the packing out of me. Don't act like you don't feel the same way. I might be one of them, okay? And I'm a pretty loving person, I think. I'm more loving than many people I've met. But there's some, it just is difficult. You see, here's what's important. You need to know your area of influence. You, you need to know that. Because if you don't know and you aren't loving them, then they ain't getting loved. Because God gave you them for you to love them. And if you aren't loving them, then they ain't getting God's love. And they're missing out on this great thing, the greatest thing ever. Your sphere of influence, who may it be? Who may, may it be? I'm going to give you three things. My people. I, don't, I didn't leave a blank, but you can write it in. My people, those close to you, your family and your friends, those people that you spend a lot of time with. My place. For many of you, it could be your work. It could be the club that you joined. It could be where you work out. God has placed you there. Like you may be in a job right now that you can't stand. 
But God has placed you there. Okay? For this time. Okay? For this time. And here's the one that's easy to do. Your passion. Your passion. Because, like, if you love to do something, if you love to work out, if you love to be involved in sports, if you love to go to the library, if you love to, I don't know, eat at a certain restaurant, God wants to take that passion that you have and utilize it. So my, my people, my place, my passion. Acts 17 says this. From one man he created every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And look at this. I think this is very comforting. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where you should live. God determined where you were going to live and put that influence right there. So we need to, number one, go ahead and identify our people. I, I heard a story one time about a pastor who went to an, uh, a city and the church and the city had so much. And he just got to a point where in his prayers he was just complaining and complaining. God, what are you going to do about this? God, where are you going to do? Why You sent me here. Where, where are you, God? You need to do something. What are you going to do? And he said, I did do something. I sent you. And so wherever you are, God has sent you and placed you for this time in all of history. So we need to go ahead and identify our people and do good to them. So we need to meet others in their place of need. I like this because it's practical. That's the cool thing about Paul. He not only tells us this, the concepts, but he gives us practical things. Like, for instance, your area of influence. And then he says to meet their needs. It's practical. He says share with each other's burdens in Galatians 2. And there's a lot of needs. There's a lot of needs. I tell you, what, what has become one of the greatest things that I've been able to do as a pastor over the last several years is to be able to help those who just need some help, right? Whether it be financially, whether it be emotionally, um, whether it's, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot, you know, a lot of times I've spent a lot of 23 years of ministry having people who've tried to make professional career, careers over going to church to church to church. Um, and I'm, I think I've gotten pretty good at recognizing most of them. But one of, the, one of the most awesome things is when I have somebody who I know who is working hard in life and trying to figure life out, and yet it's just beating them down. And you would not, you would not begin to understand the numbers within our own community where that happens. Um, and just to be able to remove, to, to bear with them in that burden and to say to them, I've, I've said to people before, hey, this is what we're going to be able to do. And they're like, no way. No way. I say, yeah. And that's not for me. It's from God. Because I remember hearing a pastor one time say, how can I tell somebody that God loves them when they can't eat? How can I tell somebody that God, that the love of God and that they're a child of God and yet their needs are not met by no means of their own except for life has just kicked them time and time again? You see, there's, there's something that's really awesome about helping somebody. And if you say, well, my means are small, I can't do this. I want to show you this video of a little boy, five years old, named Josiah um, in Alabama. And it actually was on CNN a couple years ago. The faith of the little boy was on full display at the Waffle House at the Prattville Millbrook exit one night a few weeks ago. Love you. 
It's the story of five-year-old Josiah Duncan and his mom, Ava Falk. There was a man standing inside that was real dirty and had his back. Josiah was so troubled by the man's appearance, he peppered his mom with questions and more questions. Oh, and I said, well, because he's homeless. And Josiah said, well, what does that mean? And I said, that means he doesn't have a house. And apparently not a friend to lean on. He doesn't have no food. Josiah felt the urge to do something. He insisted on his mom buying the stranger a good meal. She obliged. Somebody came in and sat down and nobody really waited on him. He just kind of sat there. And Josiah jumped up and asked him um, if he needed a menu because he couldn't order without one. Instead of ordering a cheap hamburger, the homeless man got the works. He said, well, can I have bacon? I said, you have as much bacon on your hamburger as you want. But before the man could take the first bite, Josiah insisted on something else. I wanted to say the blessing with him. And Josiah did, perfectly, with 11 other customers watching. Josiah sang it as loud as his little voice could muster. Thank you for our blessings. Thank you for our blessings. Um, and that man just cried, and everybody else in Waffle House was crying. The man ate his meal and went on his way. He left with a full stomach while Ava left with a full heart. I wasn't judging him by... Topped off with what she considers a touch of divine wisdom. That you never know who is an angel on earth, and then when the opportunity comes at you, you never should walk away from it. A little boy saw a need. Oh, man and met it face to face. Isn't that awesome? Five years old. You see, it wasn't about he had to do that. It was because he had a heart for that man. He had a heart for somebody who was in need. He wanted to bear with his burden. And wasn't it interesting that a five-year-old boy convinced his mom to have him come sit in, and they didn't, nobody else wanted to do anything. And, but when their hearts were touched was when he started praying the blessing of God. When you start praying the blessings of God, we have this, what Jesus said in Matthew. Then the king will say to those who are on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance. Remember inheritance a couple weeks ago? That is made for who? Those with sons and daughters, not slaves. Take your inheritance for the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Continue on. Here we go. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. And you know how they knew that? Because they were next to them, shoulder to shoulder. You don't know the needs of somebody if you stay in your own world. And so then he says, I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? And look at what he says here. When did you, I see you as a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison or go visit you? Here we go. Listen to what the Lord says. The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these... You also did for me. You see, it moves the heart of the father when his children take care of each other. And so where is your influence? Like one of your areas of influence may be a homeless person you walk by every single day. Every single day. That may be your area of influence. And that sparks the heart of the father. Number three. Point them to Jesus and really be the church. Point them to Jesus and really be the church. We need to be careful when we're ministering people. This is a careful thing. We are to bear with each other's burdens, but we cannot take someone's burdens on for ourselves. That's Jesus' business. 
and I made the mistake several times, particularly as a younger pastor. I, remember, I still remember the name of the first couple that I had that had marriage problems. I was shocked because they were in the church, and I was just, oh, what? It was year two in ministry. The honeymoon was over. And I remember the issues that they had, and I remember sleep, myself sleepless at night about their relationship, <coughs> that I was so distraught that I had to save their relationship and their marriage. And then one day I got this great epiphany, and I looked at them both and said, this ain't my marriage, but you're messing with mine, right? Because I had taken on the burden that they had. I've been in so many counseling areas where I've talked to people and shared with them what was going on and what I believe God was telling them to do, only for them to completely ignore it and to come back with the same issues five months later. And it, I, I burn with people because I love people, but guess what? I will journey with you, but I won't carry your mess because I got enough of my own. I'll help you, but only God can take it. Only Jesus can take the load that we have. So the thing is, be with one another, but don't take on somebody else's stuff because you've got enough weight in your life as well. If you do, you will make depend people dependent on you, not God. And that's not a good thing. We need to share those burdens. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 11. Everybody good? Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Anybody need some rest? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you, you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We need to point them to Jesus. Not, and the other thing, the reason why I said, and really be the church, is because we need to point them to Jesus, not who we want Jesus to be. Um, as I said, we went on this long trip, and it ended in Vegas. And if you've ever been to Vegas, it is insane, right? There's some really cool stuff, but there's also some stuff that you're like, oh my gosh, did I just see that, right? Anybody, with, anybody ever been to Vegas? Right, okay, and what happens there does not stay there because it goes in here, right? Um, so you're there, and there is a lot of crazy stuff going on, a lot of cool stuff, really cool bands, a lot of other kind of really neat things, and it's an interesting place to visit. And you have people from every walk of life there. You have people from foreign countries, you have people from this country, you have people from all different lifestyles and walks of life and, and every kind of area. And... Um, we were down in an area called Fremont Street on Saturday, and they have, like, a lot of bands. It's kind of like a boardwalk with, like, some Vegas insanity with it, all right? Um, but it's really kind of cool. And there was everybody of everything there. And I got to tell you, the people that I couldn't stand the most were the Christians that were represented there outwardly. Because they were some of the most non-loving, judgmental, hateful people I have ever met in my life. And I found myself wanting to hang out with the people that they were talking to or talking down to. And you know what? Yes, some of the stuff they were saying is true, but they missed out on the part about truth in love. There was no heart of the Father there. They could care less for the people there. They would be happy if the ground opened up and they were swallowed in the pit of hell. And for me, I was disgusted as a Christian and as a pastor. And I thought, you were the problem that Jesus had. And they mean well. They do. They want to do well. 
But out of everybody, I said, Jesus, I want to hang out with these. He hung out with prostitutes and sinners. Guess what's in Vegas, right? Because at least you get somebody real and somebody that maybe you can share with. And as we're standing there, we got to talk to a, a young couple who was there in the area, and they gave us some tips on where to park the next day and get it validated and all this kind of stuff. But out, out of the blue, they began to share some of their own life with Melissa and with me and, and about their hardship of where they came from, from another country, and how they're struggling and maybe homeless and have four kids. You see, my heart's moved for them a heck of a lot more than those who are out there casting judgment of God. You with me? And that doesn't just happen in Vegas. Wake up, it's happening all around. Because what we need to do, the law of Christ, is to love one another as we have been loved. And last time I checked, I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. And guess what? Everybody else in this world is a sinner that just needs the grace of God. Every single person. Nobody's different. Not one bit. And so we need a good dose of love for one another. Not my love, because my love is crap. My love comes in and goes by whatever mood or whatever I ate that morning. But the love I need to share is the love I've received, the unconditional love and grace of Jesus Christ. Because he loved me first. And if I received the greatest love ever, then I need to give it to somebody else. Everything's summed up in this. Just love somebody with the love that Christ gave you. Give somebody some unconditional love this week. Look into your sphere of influence. Look at your passions. Point them to Jesus and really, really be the church. Really be the church. As we close out with a couple verses today, Psalm 92 says, but the godly will flourish like a palm tree. Anytime you see palm trees, it's health into God's own house. In other words, you, you replant from the world into God's house, and they will produce fruit. What's that fruit? Remember, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. There's no law against those things. You see, Christianity should never be about converts. It's about who we can love. The kingdom of God grows by how much we love. And here's how he finishes this off. Here's the last part of Galatians 8 and 9. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. You see, this is a, this is a law of nature. If you put Apple seeds in the ground, you're going to get a tree, and what's it going to have on it? There you go. You put orange seeds in the ground, you get a tree, what's it going to have? You guys are good, okay? So no matter what you plant in comes out. There's never been an apple tree, seed that's been planted that's grown up and had peaches or watermelons. Doesn't work that way, right? What you put in, you get out. So if a world is giving us hatred and not love, maybe, just maybe, because we haven't loved them as Christ loved us. You think? I believe so. And I've seen it, and I think God is telling us something. And here's what we need to do. So let us not become weary of doing good. 
For at the proper time, we will reap harvest if we don't give up. Don't give up on loving people, particularly the unlovable in your sphere of influence. So how do we do that? Choose freedom every day. Every single day. Let's worship God. Amen? Because God so loved, let's stand up and let's sing one more song to the Lord. And I want you to sing it to him. I don't care whether you can carry a tune in a bucket. I want you to sing out loud to the Lord because it's about him. This whole Galatians series has been about one thing. It's been about you connecting and growing deeper in a relationship with Christ and with each other. Isn't that what Jesus said the whole law and the prophets are? In loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. So let's just worship the Lord here. Let's just think about who Jesus is.
Because we haven't loved as we should love. We gotta obey that before we do anything. So you're you got homework this week. Alright, that's the teacher side of me. You ready? Here's your homework. Go love somebody in your sphere of influence. Go love somebody with the love of Christ. Meet their need. Be there for them and introduce them to, to Jesus, who he really is. Let them see Christ in you. And let that, you know, hey, and then connect them to how the church should be. I think it's awesome. Like when people would say to me when something happens, oh my gosh, you're a pastor? Oh my gosh, that's a church? You don't act like that. I say, yes, thank you. Because I know what that means. It doesn't mean that I don't like my brothers and sisters who are pastors. It just means that we've adopted certain things that have to do with the law and not the law of Christ. We need to love a lot more. We need to love a lot more. We need to be like that little boy, Duncan, on there, right? We need to meet those needs. At that moment, that man was in a sphere of influence. Now, I don't know where they ever connected again, but he sowed a seed in his heart that he knows the love of Christ. And he was able to connect to Christ in a way. Everybody in that whole restaurant, by one five-year-old who had a heart, the heart of the Father. Go ahead and pass that on wherever you can go. Wherever you go and look at your sphere of influence. Somebody's there. And you know somebody right now who's in your sphere of influence that you haven't loved like you should. It's tough. It's tough, isn't it? Sometimes. It takes time. But I'm telling you, if you plant in the right stuff, and you plant the right thing, you plant seeds of love, the seeds of joy, seeds of peace, the seeds of patience, seeds of kindness, guess what? That's what's going to harvest. We know from our world, in news, in how people talk to each other, in the way we look at each other, the way we act, we have sowed everything else. Let's change and bring up a new crop for the Lord. Amen? All right. And then next week we're going to clean house. Or a couple weeks we're going to clean house. Have a great time. Bye.